0: You are listening to the Gateway Church in Spring Lake, Michigan. To learn more, visit us at thegatewaygh.com. Let's turn in our Bibles to Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10, if you want to put your finger there? We are in the middle of Peter's miracle ministry. Last week, Pastor Bruce preached and he shared about Aeneas, and how he was. Uh, paralyzed and bedridden for eight years. And Peter had the confidence through the Holy Spirit to say, Aeneas, get up. And Aeneas got up, roll up his mat, and he was completely healed. Incredible story. Just right after that, he's talking with Tabitha. Or what he we call Dorcas and uh, Bruce I think you missed it Um, I would have been like saying Dorcas as many times as I could have last week instead of Tabitha and I mean when else can you say Dorcas in church right and then someone came up to me first after first service and said you know. There are people with the name Dorcas, and uh, especially in uh, Latin America. And I said, "Why? Well, I, I didn't know. So if, I, if your name is Dorcas and I didn't know, please forgive me for that. But, uh, but anyway, Dorcas was a prominent gift to the church. Uh, she was well-respected. She got sick. She died, and Peter walked into the circumstances and by faith says, Dorcas, get up, She gets up and starts serving again. The miracles in Peter's ministry was unbelievable. You say, how did Peter have the confidence to do this? Well, Jesus modeled those things. And Peter just followed the model that Jesus laid out. And I just want to say, the same model is for us. We can do things beyond our wildest imagination through the power of the Holy Spirit. God wants to work through us through miracles and through through touching us. And and by the way, both of those stories ended with a conversion, uh, with the gospel message going forward. And as we move into uh, chapter 10 today, it is a pivotal chapter. The rest of the book of Acts, the rest of the gospel or the, the, the New Testament hinges on what happens here in Acts chapter 10. Peter's miracle ministry continues and he didn't even see it coming. The greatest miracle in Peter's ministry happens, and it's another conversion story. Now there are a lot of conversion stories in the book of Acts. We've already studied a bunch. At the beginning Acts chapter 3, 3,000 were added to the church. A little later it says that the church grew to 500. We've studied Simon the sorcerer uh, and his conversion and then the Ethiopian eunuch and we looked at Saul's who turned into Paul uh, a couple uh, weeks ago and we looked at his conversion story. And then the most of these cases it's The conversion story is one sentence or one verse or maybe two. In Saul's case, it was three times mentioned in the book of Acts, 36 verses total, maybe a chapter combined. But when we get to chapter 10 and then into chapter 11, there are 66 verses for Cornelius, who we're going to talk about here in a second, for his story, for his conversion story. You say, well, why, in some cases, is it a sentence? 3,000 were saved and added to the church. For Paul's, it was a combined chapter, maybe, and this, his radical story. But when it comes to Cornelius, a chapter and a half, 66 verses, and the bottom line is this. Cornelius was a Gentile. He was a non-Jew And my goal here in the next few moments is to let you know not only verbally that it was a big deal, but I want you to see it in Scripture, how God rolls this out and how it is an incredible story. There's a shift here, and it started in Acts chapter 1. So hold your finger in Acts chapter 10 and then turn to the beginning of Acts. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Look what it says. It says, uh, this is Jesus talking. He says, but you will receive power... When the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witness in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria. And let me pause there. We have seen all of these things happen in the book of Acts to this point. But then there's another little tag. It says, and to the ends of the earth. And in Acts chapter 8, this is where we see kind of the fulfillment of that. And so what happens is in Acts chapter 2, there's 3,000 church that were added to the church. No big deal. They're in Jerusalem. In Samaria, uh, Acts chapter 8, that's a, another kind of an offset of, Jewish, of the Jewish faith. And, uh, and uh, again, the Samaritans were coming, and so we see that. But it was not until Acts chapter 10 that Acts chapter 1 verse 8 was literally fulfilled and fully experienced. Before this, the command for the disciples was to go, and they went. But they did so, and they were exclusive about it. Now, if you fast forward all these years to today, our understanding, in fact, hold your finger there, and uh, turn with me quick to Galatians chapter 3. We understand what Galatians uh, kind of explains in regards to Jew and Gentile. And for most of us, that's an understanding that we, we understand this. Uh, look what it says. It says, starting in verse 26, So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. Verse 27, For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor, there, nor is there male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Jesus. And everyone said amen to that. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. And so what we see in, in that little verse is that, that we understand that, that God, he, he saves us. Jews, Gentiles, doesn't matter. And we get all the benefits. We are Abraham's seed. We are heirs of Christ. We are sons and daughter of the Most High God. But this understanding that we understand today, that most of us understand, listen, would not have happened unless Acts chapter 10 happened. It is the breakout story for the Gentiles. And just to give you perspective, this is not something that just happened overnight. Acts chapter 2 to Acts chapter 10 was nine to 10 years. I heard a pastor talking about that, and I wrote it down, and I had to fact check it. I talked with Pastor Bobby. I'm like, uh, I think, you know, someone said it was 10 years, and he's like, nah, and I looked it up, 9 to 10 years. This was a slow, progressive revelation that there was no partiality, no favoritism. The idea that the ground at the foot of the cross is level, that it was rolling out and Peter was understanding that. And that's what we're going to kind of study here in Acts chapter 10. And so let's look at it. And without further ado, we're there in Acts chapter 10. There's three things. We're going to look at the setup, then the delivery, then the result. Let's look at the setup first. And there's actually three parts to the setup. So stick with me. Number one, let's look at the guy. Uh, that, uh, his name is Cornelius. Let's look at it. Verse 1. It says, At Caesarea there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian Regiment. And so Cornelius, just pause there for a second, he was a, uh, an officer, he had 100 people that he was over, that's why the word centurion, century, and um, and so he was a ruler, kind of kind of a, a guy in the army, uh, so to speak. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing, very important. He gave generously to those in need and, and prayed to God regularly. One day, about three in the afternoon, he had a vision, He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius, Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? He asked. The angel answered, Your prayers and your gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon who is called Peter. He's staying with Simon the Tanner whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier uh, who was one of his attendants. He told them everything that had happened, and he sent them to Joppa. We'll pause right there for a moment. Cornelius was a Gentile. He was not a Jew. That's important. And he was living in a pagan culture. One commentator wrote this, that his heart had tired of pagan myths and empty religious myths, rituals, and had turned to Judaism in hope to find salvation. So he's a non-Jew, but he's starting to do do Jewish things. In fact, there are three steps, if you're a non-Jew, to become a Jew. He had made it all the way to that last step. that He had just one step to go, and he was ready for spiritual things. He was religious, but I want you to see that he was not saved. He was religious, did a lot of things that were right, even prayed, even gave, but he was not saved. He knew that his righteous or his religious devotion was not sufficient to save him. And what we see here is that he's seeking, he's seeking God. And it's interesting to me that apparently Cornelius, he was not okay. It wasn't just okay that he prayed and that he gave and that he was doing all of these things. God went to great lengths to reach Cornelius and sent an angel and then sent Peter. We're going to see here in a second. But the biggest thing that you got to get in your mind is that Cornelius, he was a God-fearer. He was one step away from being a proselyte, which was being fully Jewish. But God was working in his life. You got it and so that was the first part of the setup the second part is Peter and what do we know about Peter Peter walked with Jesus he was one of the disciples he actually walked on water and in this story Peter is presented with a choice was he going to remain prejudiced? was he going to remain with this tradition the idea that I've never done this before or was he going to soften his heart and he does And what we're going to see is that step by step, the walls in Peter's understanding and in Peter's actions are starting to come down. Slowly, progressively, God is revealing. And let's look at it. Let's start in verse 9. It says, about noon, the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven open and something like a large sea, sheep being let down by, to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. Then he heard a voice that told him, Peter, get up, kill, and eat. And all the hunters and all the uh, fishermen in the room are like, oh yeah, yeah, kill and eat. But Peter says, surely not, Lord, I have never eaten anything that was un- the impure or unclean. Now I want to pause there for a second. There, what he's referring to was the Old Testament Levitical law. There were lots and lots of laws about what was clean, what was impure, and you would stay away from those things. There was a separation in Jewish culture. And so he's responding, he's saying, look, I've never done these things. But then the voice, verse 15, spoke to him a second time. And said, do not call anything impure that God has made clean. And that's an important verse right there. Verse 15, God is declaring, first of all, that all food is clean, yes. But more importantly, he's starting to reveal to Peter that Jews and Gentiles are equal. They are both reachable with the gospel. And Peter's starting to get it. But it takes him three times. Look at verse 16. This happened three times, and immediately the sheet was taken back up to heaven. Isn't it interesting with Peter? Three times. It took him three times. He denied Christ three times. Jesus asked him three times, do you love me, do you love me, do you love me? And now here with the Gentiles, it's three times and what's great, as you, as you study this, is that the wall is progressively coming down. There was pride in being separate. And he's saying, no, I'm separate. I've never done these things. And let's just look at it as he continues. He says, while Peter was still wondering, he's pondering, he's praying about the meaning of the vision. The men, by Cornelius, found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. They called out, asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, so he's still pondering it, the Spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you. So get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Peter went down and said to the men, I, I'm the one you're looking for. Why have you come? He didn't understand the full purpose. He was willing to go with them. He's thinking, hey, it's another Dorcas. Someone needs to, to be um, you know, healed. Someone needs a demon cast out or, or someone needs to be raised from the dead, right? The men replied, we have come from Cornelius the centurion. He is a righteous, God-fearing man who is respected by all Jewish people. A holy angel told him to ask you to come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. Then Peter invited the men into the house to be his guest. And by the way, in chapter 11, when he recaps the story, he is criticized big time for allowing that to happen. So the setup part two is we see Peter. We see Cornelius first, then Peter. The third part of the setup is Peter and Cornelius together. And uh, I love this. Let's continue. It says the next day uh, they started out with him and some of the believers in Joppa went along. The following day he arrived in Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and he called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. But Peter said, Get up, stand up, I'm only a man myself. While talking to him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. He said to them, you are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with or to visit a Gentile. Right there, you see the strength of, of this argument that Jews and Gentiles, they didn't get along. They were not even allowed to be under the same roof. And But he was breaking those rules. The walls were coming down. But look what it says. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came with you without any objection." May I ask you why you sent me? He's saying, okay, who's sick? Where are we going here? He he didn't even understand fully. Cornelius answered, and he shares the story. Three days ago, I was in my house praying at this hour at three in the afternoon. Suddenly, a man in shiny clothes stood before me and said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayers and remembered your gifts to the poor. Send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He's in the guest of the home of Simon the Tanner, who lives by the sea. So I sent for you immediately, And it was good that you came. And look at what verse 33 says at the end. Now we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. And so we see this. The setup is complete. We see that Peter now is with Cornelius and with his people. Peter had some folks with him as well. But I love verse 33, that the presence of God was there. The lights were going on for Peter. And in verse 34, we see an incredible change in Peter. Look what it says. It says, then Peter began to speak. Now I realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism. Church, this verse right there is where it all starts to shift, where the shift has happened and God is speaking through Peter at this point by the power of the Holy Spirit, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Christ Jesus, who is Lord of all. And so he starts to share about Jesus. You know what has happened through the province of Judah, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism of, that John preached, how God anointed Jesus, the now. Of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. Again, he's sharing the story. He's sharing about Jesus. We are witnesses of everything he did, verse 39, in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on the cross, but God raised him up from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen, by us who ate and drank with him after he had rose from the dead. He's saying, look, I saw him die. I saw him. He was raised from the grave, and we spent time with him. We ate with him. We we spent time with He commanded us to preach, verse 42, to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. And then look at verse 43. It says, all the prophets, everything that happened in the Old Testament testifies about him, Jesus, that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. I know there's a lot of verses there, and uh, forgive me uh, for taking some time there. Peter lays out his message, inspired by the Holy Spirit. Verse 34, he says, now I realize he preaches the word. He keeps it Christ-centered, Jesus-focused. He shares the gospel. And so we see the setup, we see the delivery, and look what happens. It was to shock all Jews and Gentiles. Look at verse 44. It says, while Peter was still Speaking these words. He's still preaching. The Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message, just like the Holy Spirit is here and He's speaking to us. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, Surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So, they order, so he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. What happened from verse 44 to 48 changed everything. Gentile people, non-Jews, were full of the Holy Spirit. They accepted Jesus. They were saved. And secondly, they were baptized with the spirit baptism, they're filled with the Holy Spirit. You say, are you sure about that? Or is that really what happened? Look at the uh, next chapter, chapter 11, verse 15. It says, as I began to speak, he's recounting what happened. This is Peter tell, kind of convincing them. Yeah, this is his argument saying, hey, I was only doing what God was telling me. He says, as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came on them as he had come on us at the beginning. What is he talking about at the beginning? He's going back to the day of Pentecost. And he says, and Then I remembered what the Lord said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with or in the Holy Spirit. So if God gave them the same gift as he gave it in us, who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think that I could stand in God's way? And he couldn't. God did the supernatural. He filled them with salvation, filled them with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The third thing, they baptized them in water. That was a priority. And I just want to say, when you've been saved, it's a priority for you to get baptized. A few weeks ago, when it was the snow day in April, God, why do you do those things, right? Uh, We showed the video after, but some of you were here and were baptized. Uh, We baptized 13 people. We now have, I think, six or seven more that are being baptized May 20th. And I just want to say, if you have not been water baptized, this is your chance. Do it. Sign up. We'll prepare for that. We'll give you a t shirt and we'll be on our way. It's going to be a glorious day, May 20th. It was a priority. They said, this is what we're going to do. When you read this and you kind of go through, I want you to try to get uh, the understanding. I feel like I'm not doing a great job, but listen it was an incredible story. Mind-blowing, especially for Peter, that there was now no partiality. The gospel is for everyone. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. Two weeks ago, when we looked at Paul's conversion story we we i said i don't want you to ever forget this statement and let's put it up again no one anywhere under any circumstances beyond the reach of the gospel and now that would include non-jews see paul or saul was a jew it made sense but now even non-jews the strength of that cannot be under or uh, overstated this morning, the power behind that. And the takeaway is this. I want to kind of modernize this. I want you to imagine that you are Peter. I want to, you to put yourself in Peter's shoes. And I want to ask a question, are you standing in God's way of what God wants to do? Is there some prejudice or a mindset or tradition that's holding you back? Remember, you are Peter. I'm Peter. Have you stepped into your purpose? And I'm talking about your full purpose, which has to include the idea that we are called to reach one more. Amen? Are you clicking on all cylinders? Remember, you are Peter. I'm Peter this morning. And let me just ask a question. Who are the Corneliuses in your life or in our lives i was thinking about it and i knew tim and joyce were going to be here in tanzania in africa uh, on some of the literature uh is this morning i saw the, the maasai people and they they jump real high and they've got a lot of ritual and they've got a lot they from the outside you say man they've got some religion uh something's going on there uh they've got a lot of rituals and ceremony a lot of rules to follow but I want you to know they don't have Jesus until someone tells them. And so I mean, they're Cornelius's, right? Religious, but not saved. And now I was thinking about in Tijuana, uh, hopefully many of us are going to go. I, I pray that we fill that team with 30. They can take 30. Let's take 30. Amen. That means you, right, and me, right, maybe, I don't know, I've got to pray about it. But let's pray. But in Tijuana, my understanding is that it's a, a, a real high Catholic area with a lot of rules, a lot of things outward, good people, some are even God-fearing, but many do not know Jesus as their personal Savior. And we can think, oh yeah, in Tanzania, in Tijuana, right, those, that, those are the Corneliuses. But let's, let's put those aside for just a moment let's talk about West Michigan, where most of us live, right here. What is West Michigan known for in regards to people? What kind of people live in West Michigan? We say they are Dutch, right? Uh, we, and, and we was talking with someone before service, and we were saying, yeah, Dutch, and that kind of reform. And I've heard it said, when I moved to West Michigan, I'm from the east side, and uh, Detroit, woo, and um, but yeah, Bruce, Pastor Bruce and I were from the Detroit area. But uh, they, they, they would say, and Bruce, I, I hope you've never heard this, but if you're not Dutch, you're not much. <laughs> you're something, man. Don't worry. Don't worry. And so am I. But anyway, but, but how can we agree together that when we think about uh, this area in particular, we live in a God-fearing culture? And it's tied to some deep-rooted beliefs. Uh, this is a very conservative area. People try to do the right thing. In fact, many people would look at our area and say, man, you're blessed to live there. And, but there are a lot of people searching. And I would say there are God-fearing, even praying people, people that are even giving, that are generous, maybe even are benevolent uh, philanthropists, but they don't have a relationship with Jesus. That's hard to say, but that's true. There's people that you work with that on the outside, they may be doing the right things, but don't know Jesus. People in your family that don't know Jesus, but may go through the motions. Neighbors that that maybe do good things. They're good people, but they don't know Jesus. I got my notes that good works Church attendance, giving, those things do not save you. Even reading your Bible and praying, those things do not save you. The Bible is crystal clear that it's only through Jesus that we are saved. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. And we're in a little Bible belt of our own here in West Michigan, but just because there's a look of Christianity, if Christ is not at the center of someone's heart, they will not spend an eternity with us. And I would say that the need in our community is huge for Jesus to be infiltrated. Good people, but they're lost people. And I'm convinced, church, that our job is to step into our God-given purpose and to reach one more. That's our job. That's what God is calling us to do. I want to look at Peter for just one more time, just to remind us that he left the tradition. He left his prejudice at the door. He left the, menta- the mentality that I've never done it this way before or I've never shared with, with a, a non-Jew before. And he reached Cornelius and his household. And the same can happen for each and every one of us to reach the one person in our lives that it would grieve us so much if we made it to heaven if they didn't make it to heaven. Now some might be thinking here this morning, man, that just seems too hard in my circumstances. It's too risky in my circumstances. And let me just remind you, for Peter, he was taking the ultimate risk. He was completely misunderstood. In fact, chapter 11, the first whole half, is all of him defending his actions. He was criticized. They didn't understand. But Peter realized at the end, and I read it a minute ago, who am I to stand in God's way when it comes to reaching one more? And my question for us, for me, is will I, will you be bold enough to reach one more? And my question is, what is God working along the side? What is he setting up for us like he did Peter with Cornelius? And when that happens, will you deliver the gospel message? Will you simply share your story? The Holy Spirit speaking through you. Because when you do, the result will be salvation. One more added to the kingdom of God. And that's how God wants to do it one at a time, one after the next, after the next. And I believe God, he's calling and he's helping us to be, he's equipping us to be the people to do just that. Let's pray. Lord, I'm asking that in these next few moments, you just continue to speak. Lord, we sense your presence. Lord, we, we acknowledge that you are here and that you're doing a great and mighty work. And Lord, I pray over these next few moments, Lord, that we would be challenged deeply to be activated for you in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. With your head bowed and eyes closed, just no one looking around here for a moment. If you're here this morning and maybe like Peter, the light bulbs are starting to come on, or this revelation, understanding of your lostness is coming, Uh, I'm praying that, we've been praying that God would speak to hearts that are away from Him, that they would come to know Jesus as their personal Savior. If you're here and you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, you say, man, I've been religious, I give, I do good things, but I don't know Jesus. If that's you this morning, would you just slip up your hand there was one, one lady, first service, that responded, is there anyone here, second service? And maybe it's a progressive thing, maybe God's been working behind the scenes, and now the, uh, this is the moment you're saying, man, I need Jesus to save me. Is there anyone at all? Just give you a second, if you're feeling that, that draw, yeah, thanks, yeah, absolutely, yeah. A lady in the back here, anyone else? Yes, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. young man in the center. Who else saying, man, that's me. I need Jesus Christ to save me. Anyone else? Okay, yeah, coming back. Hallelujah. 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 There's three. Anyone else? God is at work. The same spirit that was at the end of worship is here. He's moving in our hearts. Just don't want to miss anybody. For the sake, yeah, thank you. Yeah, another young man. Hallelujah. Yeah, another young lady. Thank you. That's five. Anybody else just sensing that God is moving? Yeah. For the sake of these five, let's pray this prayer. In fact, I'm going to, we don't do this very often, but I just think the seriousness of this moment is pretty critical. And uh, and I believe that in each of these cases, it's, it's more of a rededication. Uh, to the Lord. I'm aware of uh, each of these circumstances, I believe. And, uh, and I just want to just uh, say that, church, this is good. This is important to come back to the Lord and to say, you know what? I've walked away or I've, I've you know, backslidden or however you describe it and saying, boy, God, I, I want to get my heart right again. And uh, how important is that? But let's, let's pray with them. I'm going to lead them in prayer. But let's just encourage uh, each of these five. Um, this morning. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I'm sorry for the things I've done wrong and for maybe walking away. But Lord, today, you've captured my heart again and I turn towards you and I'm asking you to forgive me of all my sins. Clean up my heart again. I believe that you died on the cross for my sin. And I give it to you. Take it all. Make me clean. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. And we rejoice. And God is working. God is good. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. God is working. And don't, don't forget it. Now, I'm going to ask that we stand. And and we could end here and feel like we made it. But listen, I want to just bring the challenge home right here, right now, in the next couple moments, we got a couple minutes, I want you to know that we've been praying, that we believe that we are called to step into the purposes that God has for us. And part of that has to be to have the confidence to reach one more. I want you right now to think about the person in your life right now, your one, some of you know right off the bat, we've talked about it before, what, who is the one person in your life that if they didn't make it to heaven, you would almost not want to make it as well because to be apart from them for eternity would grieve you so deeply? Can you think of that person? And I want you to get that person in your mind. And when you do, just lock your eyes with me so I know you're with me. Who is the one person in your life? Who is that one person? Can you think of them? The person... For me, it's my neighbor, and I've I've shared. and, uh, And I'm thinking, again, Lord, help me. And I want you to understand that this story of Cornelius, you have a Cornelius in your life that needs you to be bold, to put away prejudice, tradition, the mindset, and for you to step up and you to be the Peter. See, God is working behind the scenes, right now, in your heart, your life, for your one. And I believe that supernaturally, as we move forward, those connections are going to be made. And God is going to give you the confidence, and that's what I want to pray. And I'm going to ask the Lord to do that right now. Lord, I'm praying for each one that's standing, Lord, that they would recognize you're working in their lives. You are preparing them to share, to make a difference. Lord, you're, you're coming alongside them. And God, I pray that as well, you're working in our ones, Lord, to, to do a great work. God, that you're, uh, you're going to have your way in their lives as well. Bring these two together. The setup is there. Let the delivery come. And the result is to be adding one more to the kingdom of God. And Lord, I pray that we would never lose that passion to reach our neighbors, our coworkers, our, na- our, uh, our family, our friends at school. God, I pray that you would just burn inside of us to reach them. And Lord, I thank you for this. And God, we give you the praise, the glory. And now I pray that you'd go before us, behind us, and all around us. And actually pause here for one, for one moment. Now that you have that name in your, your mind, I just want you just to thank the Lord for making the connection this week, this month, this year, 2018. Come on, just right where you are. Thank you, Lord, for making that connection with my sister, with my spouse, with my neighbor, with my coworker, with my friend at school, before the end of school. Lord, thank you for these connections. We give you the praise. We give you all the glory. And now, Lord, We pray that you'd go before us, behind us, and around us. We pray it in Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen and amen. We love you. Thank you for being here. Ladies, next week, make sure you sign up. Guys, come and talk to me if you want to serve. Otherwise, go in the grace of God. We love you. Have a great week. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message from The Gateway Church. If you'd like to find out more about our church, such as service times, giving, and ways to get connected, visit us at thegatewaygh.com.